peace of mind. We've been talking about those who suffer from mental illness, mental issues. Statistically, 25% of our population have been diagnosed or will be diagnosed with some type of mental, uh, mental issue. It could be something like anxiety, could be full-blown panic, it could be depression, it could be, and it is, uh, bipolar disorder, it could be any number of other things. And then you stack that, on top of that, put the people who will never go to a doctor, will never seek help, but they deal with issues of uh, mental health each and every day. We're trying to open the conversation up about that. Churches don't talk about it enough. Some don't talk about it at all, but we have tried our best over these now four Sundays as we uh, conclude the formal study of these peace of mind issues. We by no means want to say the conversation is over. So I'm just reminding you that there is a training that has been set up for January the 16th for those of you that have responded that you want to help facilitate a group. My wife, Marcy, will be in touch with you to help you understand the day of that training, what it means. If you have never heard of any of this until today, just want you to know that we're going to start some grace groups, they're called, some support groups. We're going to have groups that will have uh, comprising those groups, people who suffer from mental health issues. They'll be convened by someone who also is a victim of a mental issue. And then there's going to be some family groups family members to help you deal with a family member, a loved one who suffers from a mental health issue of one kind or another. So if this is the first time you've heard about it, look in the, in the worship guide. Marcy's email address is there. Write her. She'll be in touch with you because we want to keep that conversation going and we want to, we want to show that we care. We've also asked you, if you want to, to go to our website. Right there on the front, on the right-hand side, there is a, a, a button you can click on or a phrase you can click on that says, Tell Your Story, slash mental health. And if you would share with us, your ministers, an issue that maybe you have faced, your testimony, uh, we won't share it with others without your permission. We just want to use it that maybe we can start a conversation that would be online that would help people in dealing with these struggles that so many of us face. Peace of mind. This is a great way to look at where many of us are in life. I mean, you've got the mind, you've got the brain. And if you were to come up and look at this closely, you would see it's just one big mess. This person in their mind, in their heart, in their spirit, tied up in knots, all of these issues that surround them. And it makes it hard for us to, to function. It makes it hard, difficult for you to make any type of decisions. It makes it especially hard for you to connect with God because if you don't have peace of mind, if you don't have that, and I'm talking a calmness, but I'm talking about that awareness of God with you, that's the way many of us live. If you look at the end of your pew, I don't know which end it's on. There should be a stack of white cards. If you would just take one and pass the others across so that each one of us in this room have a white card that says on it a question. It has a question, and it says, what do you want? It's from Jesus. It ought to be at the end of every pew somewhere. So if you can find one, find some, take them back, spread them out, 
I want every single person to have one of these cards. You don't need to right now. Just kind of tuck it in your Bible, put it on the seat uh, right there on the cushion, on your lap. Just put it somewhere where you can get to it here in a few minutes because we want to use those as we close out our service this morning. But the idea of peace of mind, of trying to maintain a balance in your life, of all these emotions and all these issues, it's been illustrated perfectly in a movie that's fairly recent called Inside Out. It's a cartoon, animated version. It's a perfect movie for children to watch. So moms and dads, if, if you want to help your child understand some of these issues that, uh, that they go through and really don't understand or Tell you what, for those of us that are even my age seeing a movie like this, I know it helped me to understand that my life is made up of a lot of emotions and a lot of decisions that I make alter my mental state of mind. This movie called Inside Out is about a little girl named Riley. She's had some traumatic events happen in her life. She had to move. She lived in Minnesota and was very active in school and played on a hockey team. And her parents moved her to San Francisco. And so she's trying to adjust to this new life and she's not doing very well. And the movie is told from the perspective of five emotions that are personalized, that are characters in this movie. And they are looking and viewing life through her mind, through her eyes. They're seeing and helping her. And they're trying to... Well, they're trying to respond as she responds. So one of those emotions, probably the lead character, is the character Joy. And she'll be very, op, uh, very uh, obvious here. I'm going to show you a clip in a moment. But then there's an, uh, another emotion that plays a big role in the movie that is sadness. And the conversation between joy and sadness is what I want to show you here in a moment. But there are three other emotions that come to play in all of our lives, or at least how they're illustrated in this movie. One of them is anger. Another one is disgust. And then the other one is uh, fear. Anger, disgust, fear, sadness, and joy. All of these emotions must be kept in balance, and many times they're not. The scene I want to show you is when Joy is trying to convince the emotion sadness that she needs to get with the program. She needs to get happy. That they need to do whatever they can to help Riley be happy. And the whole point is, of course, is that you can't just manufacture happiness. That sadness, in a sense, is a real part of our lives. And joy and sadness must temper each other. They can't get out of balance. Let's pick up there. Okay. Could you tell who joy was? Tell who sadness is in that movie? See, the whole point, once again, is keeping those emotions not in check, but in balance. Peace of mind. There is a passage of Scripture that I want to share with you today. It comes from the New Testament. It's our friend Paul the Apostle. He writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 14. Listen to the emotions that he's trying to balance here. Listen to the fears of his life, to the anxiety, to the stress, to the mental issues he's dealing with. He says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed, perplexed but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, 
struck down but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Death works in us, but life works in you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. I want to share with you some, some statements that a lady made in a conference I attended last month. She had an adult son who took his life. And she shared with us how this tragedy in her life, I mean, the ultimate mental issue leading to someone to despair so much that they commit suicide. And these statements that I want to give to you are the very statements that she wrestled with. So I'm not using her as an extreme example for that reason alone but to show you how God is at work, what our perspective needs to be, no matter what the situation is that we face. Some of you here today have suffered tragedy in your life. Some of you have received a medical diagnosis that has turned your life inside out. Some of you will receive that before your life is over. All kinds of issues that we face, that we struggle with. Here's one statement. Life makes no sense, but we know God is with us. That was the first statement this lady gave in her talk to us at this conference. Life makes no sense, but we know God is with us. She saw it through the perspective of an adult son who just two years ago ended his life. And there was nothing you could disagree with about that statement, that life makes no sense. She wasn't saying that every single decision in life makes no sense, but the overriding issue facing her because of her tremendous loss was that, bottom line, life doesn't make sense. And I think I'd agree with her. You probably would too. The fact that people make decisions that affect others tragically, Life indeed makes no sense. But that wasn't the end of her statement. We know God is with us. Christmas season begins one week from today. We're going to spend the month of December talking about the fact that God is with us. That's that word, Emmanuel, the title that's given to the Messiah in the Old Testament. Emmanuel, God with us. That's literally what that word means. The 23rd Psalm. We sang it, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Peace of mind may be the furthest thing from your mind today. That may be something that is so elusive, you don't know where to turn, you don't know what to do, you don't know what to make of life because life simply makes no sense. But you need to fall back on the reality that in the midst of life making no sense, God is with us. Statement number two. 
Everything and everyone is broken. But we know God has a greater plan. Everything and everyone is broken. That's the reality in which we live. The Bible tells the story of that brokenness. It wasn't always that way. God God did not create a world that was broken. But by the fact that he gave us the freedom to choose, Adam and Eve, our ancestors in that Garden of Eden, made a choice that has filtered down and affected every single one of us because we all have made that same choice, which is what? Which is to turn away from the God who holds us in his hands and who created everything out of nothing and who knows what's best for us. Instead, we've chosen our own way, which leads us to the conclusion that everything and everyone in this world is broken. And that's the simple truth. But we don't focus on the simple fact that everything and everyone is broken. We focus on the fact that in spite of that, God has a greater plan. In spite of the worst tragedy that could come your way to make you understand and know that the world in which we live is crazy, it's lunatic, it is spinning out of control, it is broken, everything about it, everyone in it, we all suffer from that brokenness. But we know that God has a better plan and a greater plan than us living in that brokenness. You may feel like that's a fair representation of your mind and your heart today. You may feel like that's exactly how you feel. You may feel that everything in your mind and in your heart and the pit of your stomach is one big knotted mess. And it is. But God has a greater plan. He has something in store moving beyond the worst you could imagine. Third statement, we have hope for we know there is more to this story. This is the one I listened to her, the lady that gave these points. I listened to her very carefully here because I'm sitting here going, now wait a minute, you lost your adult son because he took his life. You saw this coming all the way up through raising him. You took him to one doctor after the next. You, you had every single person that was a professional to come in and help you, to assist you, to make sure that he came out of this on the right side, and he didn't. He ended his life. He took away your hope. So we have hope, she said, because we know there's more to the story. The story doesn't end with that young man's suicide. It doesn't end with death. It doesn't end with a cancer diagnosis. It doesn't end with a divorce that you didn't want. It doesn't end with rebellious children that make choices that break your heart. It doesn't end with those things. We have hope in the midst of a broken world. We have hope in the midst of life that makes no sense because we know that there's more to this story. And of course we know Spiritually speaking, that more, the more to this story is what Jesus did for us when he went to the cross. It's salvation that he provided for us. It's a way to fix everything that we have broken and to put it back together again, but not just that, to restore it to what it was originally intended to be. We have hope because the story is not over. So the question remains, what do you and I do 
when our hope is crushed. Because you see, this lady was a, a very devout believer. She's a Christian. She had a very deep abiding faith. But she would stand up and say, my hope was crushed. What I had in store for my son would never happen. All of the dreams that I had of, that I had for him, maybe to marry, to give me grandchildren, to be a, a productive human being, all of those things were crushed. They weren't going to happen. Folks, when that happens to you and me, we need to remember. Did you pick up that Old Testament quote of Paul in that passage we just read? If you didn't, let me just remind you of it. It was over there in verse 13. He said, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. That's from Psalm 116. It's a psalm that Paul knew very well. He knew it so well, he just picked up a phrase thinking that we would understand it and know exactly what he was talking about. That's what happens when you're reading someone who is well-versed in something and they just assume that you know everything going on. Well, we don't. When you go back and look at Psalm 116, it's David, it's the psalmist talking about all of the hopes that had been destroyed in his life, all of the things that he had suffered and was suffering. And when he says, I believe and therefore I spoke, he's talking about all the things that had gone wrong in his life. And he said, I believed, I spoke, and then the rest of the psalm is where God hears and God responds and God doesn't restore hope, but God helps the psalmist, helps Paul, helps you and me. That when our hope is crushed, he helps us to rebuild our hope. To rebuild our hope. Now take a look at it. That's a mess. It's one big knotted mess all of those strands, all of those cords representing issues and tragedies, all circulating around the mind that itself is in a knot, and you don't know what to do with it. And the Bible says when our hope is crushed, because sometimes the present hope, what we're longing for, what we want, and what's not bad, what could be very good, when it's destroyed, when it's not going to happen... When the worst possible thing happens and removes that hope, that joy, what do you do? You rebuild your hope. You rebuild your hope on knowing that the story is not over. And you begin to see what? You begin to see that the knotted tangle, the knotted tangle begins to unravel. It begins to be seen in its proper perspective when you see what? The cross. When you see the, the very Lord who died upon a cross so that we might live, when you see his life, when you see his suffering, when you see how much sense that cross makes, then when you view your life through the lens of the cross, God can help us rebuild our hope. For the lady who lost her son, she said, I'll never have those things I hoped for originally. 
But I will rebuild my hope based upon what? On the fact that the story's not over. And my story, she said, will continue. And I've had to alter. I've had to change. I've had to redirect. I've had to rebuild my hope based upon the fact that God is good and that God is with me. And that in rebuilding my hope, I can look forward to the day when all things will be made right again. That card, I want to ask you to take it. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write out the answer to this question. These are the very words of Jesus. What do you want? That's what he asked every person he healed of a disease, it seems like, in the New Testament. He looked at the obvious. Everyone knew what was obvious, but Jesus still said, what do you want? You remember, he's not being mean. He's just trying to get us to the root of the matter, get us to the heart of the matter, get us to the bottom line. And the bottom line is, is we need so much more than just relief from pain and anguish. What do we need? What do we want? We want peace of mind. So I want to ask you to write on this card. It's just for you. Don't put your name on it. What do you want? What is that prayer? What is that desire? You talk about a Christmas wish. You talk about wanting something this year. What is it that you want? Write it down. Put it as a prayer request. Put it as a cry for God. Do it now. You unravel me with a melody And you surround me with a song Of deliverance from my enemies Till all my fears are gone And I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God And I'm no longer a slave to fear Here's how we're going to wrap up this hour. Like we normally do at the end of a service, we offer an invitation. And we're going to offer that. For it could well be that there are those here who have never said yes to the claim of Jesus upon your life. That he went to a cross and died that you might live. And that for you to have true peace of mind is not going to happen until that cross becomes the focus of your life. So I invite you and these closing moments as we sing, if that's what God is leading you to do, if you're finally ready to say, I am broken, I live in a world that makes no sense, but I know there's got to be more to my story than just the havoc and the sin that besets me. Well, you're right, but you're not going to find it anywhere other than here. So I'd invite you to make that choice to follow Jesus. It could be that you're here today and you know the Lord, but have never united with a congregation, joined a church. That sounds so unnecessary to many people but it is a part of one's peace of mind 
to have a community, to have a, a group who loves you and supports you. So if joining our church today is what you need to do, what God is leading you to do, I'm going to be here. Just come tell me. That's how you join a church like ours. But for all of us, we've got this card. What do you want? That's what Jesus asks. I want to ask you that while we're singing this final song, this invitation, for you to get up from where you are and to bring that card that has your desire on it, what it is you need, what part of your life needs whatever it is to have that peace of mind, what part of your story needs to change, whatever it is to rebuild your hope. I want you to have written it on that card or take time now. We've got a few minutes. We're in no hurry. We've got plenty of time. But I want you to get up when you're ready, and I want you to place it. You see all those cards down there now? That's from the last hour. Every, almost every single person in this room last hour took the time to come down and put what they want. That request became a commitment, and they laid it at the foot of the cross where you find peace of mind. So I'm here waiting for any who may need to make those personal spiritual decisions. Come bring your card, then come find me. For the rest of us as we sing, when you're ready, get up, bring your card, leave it there, and return to your seat.